This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Luke's English podcast is made possible thanks to donations from kind, lovely, and generous listeners, or Lepsters, as they're commonly known. If you have made a donation to the podcast lately, then thank you very much. You're helping to keep this podcast alive. You can also support the podcast and also gain access to all the premium content by signing up to Luke's English Podcast Premium. The premium content, you've probably heard me mention it before, but basically these are episodes in which I focus specifically on teaching you English, not just presenting you conversations to listen to, but actually focus on teaching you English, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation. And if you'd like to join the premium subscription, just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info. That's how you can access all the premium content uh, for a very reasonable fee per month. And also, you'll be supporting the podcast while you're doing it. Okay, all right. So let's get started now properly. And here is the jingle. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope that you're all doing all right today wherever you are, and whatever you're doing as you listen to this. Here's a new episode, and we're returning to the Wispolep series with this one, talking to winners of the competition I did at the end of last year, in which listeners chose some guests from Lepland to be featured in episodes of this podcast. Lepland, that's Luke's English podcast, Land, you see, L-E-P, Land, Lepland, not Lapland, no, that's Lapland is an, a real place somewhere in the north of Finland. But no, this is not... La- I'm not talking about Lapland. I say this because sometimes people write to me and they say, you know, another listener here from Lapland. It's like, really? Are you from Lapland? Or do you mean Lepland? Maybe you are from Lapland. I don't know. You know, there are people there. If you are in Lapland, then, well, uh, hello to you too. Maybe, maybe you are Santa Claus. Maybe Father Christmas listens to this podcast during the year, just, you know, relaxing, taking a break. Anyway, if you are Father Christmas, then, you know, welcome and welcome to everyone. But anyway, where was I? So the competition last year, listeners chose some guests from Lepland to be featured in episodes of this podcast. This episode now is the fourth in that series. And the spirit of this whole competition is to let some Lepsters talk on the podcast so that we can learn some things from them, including insights into how they learned English, perhaps some things about the countries they come from, and whatever else they can talk to us about. This time, it's the turn of Robin, who comes from Hamburg in Germany. And Robin came joint third in the competition with William from France. So William and Robin both received exactly the same number of votes 
And in fact, their stories are not dissimilar, which is another way of saying that their stories are quite similar. Um, Yes, their stories are not dissimilar in the sense that they both first learned English at school in their neighbouring countries and then both chose to pursue English in higher education, both decided to become teachers of English and both spent time as teaching assistants in English schools in the southeast of England, helping English school kids and students learn French or German in the case of Robin. So, funnily enough, Robin and um, William both have many things in common, including the fact that they both got exactly the same number of votes, so joint third position. But anyway, this is Robin, okay? And yes, Robin is also an English teacher, just like the other Wispolep winners that we have had so far. Hmm. Now, I would like to address something at this point, and that is the fact that all the winners of this competition so far have been English teachers. Obviously, they've been, let's say, non-native speakers of English from different countries. But um, yes, the four people I've spoken to so far, yes, they have all been English teachers. And I get the impression from reading one or two comments that some people might think it's a bit unfair for some reason that the winners all seem to be English teachers, right? So here's the rationale or the logic behind this point of view, as far as I can tell. And actually, I should also say the vast majority of comments on these episodes so far have been like really positive. People have loved listening to the guests that we've had so far. And I think people have found them to be interesting and inspiring and thought provoking and so on. But anyway, I do get a sense that there is this maybe this this feeling um, of like, hmm, all the winners are English teachers. What's going on? And so here's the rationale or the logic behind this point of view, as far as I can tell. Something like this. Hmm, so you can only win this competition if you're an English teacher. What about the rest of us who don't have that advantage? So this sort of comment seems to suggest that non-native speakers of English who are English teachers have improved their level of English as a result of being teachers, that their English improved because they became teachers or as a consequence of being English teachers. And so being an English teacher gave them an unfair advantage in this competition. But I think it's probably the other way round, isn't it? Surely they reached a proficient level of English before they became teachers and then became teachers as a consequence of having a good enough level of English. Like you can't qualify as a teacher without having a fairly decent level of English first, can you? So I think their progress and achievements in English proficiency are still thanks to their own merit, just like anyone else who has got good at English. And so I think this still counts. Sure, perhaps their teaching work has meant that they've had to do more language study than most people, and that they get to use English in their work on a fairly regular basis. That's true. So the job has probably tweaked their English that bit further than many other people. But again, I'm sure that the majority of their English progress was made before becoming English teachers. So I just wanted to point that out in case some people listening felt that there was something amiss about the results of the competition. Personally, I think it's fine. And you probably think so too, right? But um, bear with me as I say just one or two other things about this. 
Of course, there are loads of people who achieve great things in English and who don't choose to become teachers, and that's great too. I really don't mind what people do, as long as they have something to offer to my audience. And I suppose ultimately this is why listeners voted for these people in this competition, because they felt that they would have interesting things to say on the podcast and probably some insights into improving your English. And I think those things are definitely true. I feel that the three interviews we've had so far have been very insightful and interesting. And I think this also applies to the other interviews that you haven't heard yet. And there are three more interviews to listen to. There's Robin in this episode, and then Michael and Baha as well. And I'm sure that even now, uh, some people are going, this is unnecessary, Luke, you don't need to justify yourself. Okay, I won't, as I whack the microphone. Okay, anyway, so after this one with Robin, the next one will be Michael from Poland, and he's achieved a decent level of English, and he's not an English teacher. Not yet, anyway. I don't know what he will choose to do in the future, but so far he has not qualified as a teacher. Anyway, I don't think it matters that much in the grand scheme of things, even though I have just devoted a number of minutes to talking about it. I think ultimately it doesn't really matter that much, does it? Essentially, we are listening to Lepsters who other Lepsters wanted to hear on this podcast. And you know what? I'm really enjoying these episodes. I think that the Lepsters who voted in the competition made some really good choices. And this series has been very well received overall, which is great. And this brings us to our fourth Wispolep guest, Robin from Hamburg in Germany. Just in case you weren't sure where Hamburg was, that's right, it's in Germany. Robin, Hamburg. You can imagine that movie shot, you know, in the Hollywood movie where you see a shot of Hamburg and then it goes Hamburg, Germany. So here we go. So I spoke to Robin a few weeks ago. Robin is someone who learned English at school, like most people, and liked it, and then chose to pursue his English studies and broaden his English skills while still living in Germany. There were challenges and setbacks, as you will hear, but ultimately he managed to immerse himself in the language and get his English to a good enough level to be able to train to become a teacher of the language in Germany. Later on, he went to England to get some work experience as a teaching assistant in German classes at a posh school in the southeast. Along the way, Robin also chose to start a podcast for learners of German. So Robin is a podcaster too, just like me. Robin's podcast is called Auf Deutsche Gesagt, which I hope I'm pronouncing correctly. Speakers of German... Indeed, Robin, in fact, you could get in the comments section and tell me if I've pronounced that correctly. Auf Deutsche gesagt. So if you are learning German and you want a podcast that is similar to mine, but in German, then you could listen to Robin's podcast, Auf Deutsche gesagt, which translates, I think, as in plain German or in plain language, which I guess means that the German that you can hear in his episodes is the sort of natural German that people use on a daily basis. As Robin said, he was quite inspired by my approach to doing Luke's English podcast. And so I guess Auf Deutsche Gesagt is along similar lines. So that's Robin's podcast for people learning German. It's on Spotify and is available where you normally get your podcasts. There are links for Robin's podcast on the page for this episode too.
So this conversation ended up being a bit longer than some of the other interviews with Wispolep winners, but that's partly because we found that there were quite a lot of things for us to talk about, including Robin's learning of English after being told by one of his university teachers that he should just give up because he wasn't good enough, his experience as a teaching assistant at a school in England, some comparisons between English and German language and culture, some slightly geeky stuff about the recording setups and microphones that we use for our podcasts. And then finally, we thought it could be fun for Robin to try and teach me a bit of German. So you will hear me struggling to pronounce a few words in German near the end of the conversation, which should give you a bit of a laugh. So that's it then for this introduction. I will chat to you again briefly on the other side of this conversation. But now let's meet Wispolep runner-up Robin from Hamburg. And here we go. So hello, Robin. How are you today? Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you. And you? Yeah, very well, thanks. How does it feel to be on the podcast? Yeah, I'm I'm quite a bit um, starstruck at the moment, but I think it's really nice to meet you in person. Yeah, it's nice to meet you too. Yeah, we were we actually were saying before we pressed before I pressed record before we started recording that yes, every now and then I meet someone who appears to be starstruck, and that's when I feel like I'm a famous person. <laughs> you know, it doesn't happen very often, really. And because you know, most of my days are just spent, you know, normally just walking around, going to the shops and stuff like that. And people have got obviously no idea who I am. But then every now and then I'll talk to someone who's like, oh, I listen to your podcast. I can't believe I'm actually talking to you. And then I feel like Paul McCartney for about five seconds. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's nice because um, you can still be a ninja in the real world, but are famous in another world <laughs> in Lapland. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I'm famous in Lapland, and yeah, in the in the rest of the world, um, just normal person, which is which is nice because I think that fame and celebrity, it's not always that great, you know. And you think again, I always talk about Paul McCartney because you know I'm a huge fan, but I kind of think about his life. It must be such a struggle to just maintain some level of normality, and yeah. I think that's always one of the things that he always does is he's always trying to just have a normal life as much as he possibly can but it must be so difficult yeah i agree yeah. congratulations by the way for coming third in the competition well done yeah thank you very much and thank you to all the listeners um, who supported me and helped me be in the third place thank you very much yeah well, it's, uh, you know, I think we're interested in hearing about some of the things that you mentioned in your recording. And actually, we've got lots of stuff to talk about. You are, you're in Hamburg or you're from Hamburg or both? I'm, I'm in Hamburg. I'm from Itzehoe, which sounds a bit weird when you're English. Itzehoe. <laughs> it's, a, it's a what? It's a who? It's a where? <laughs> yeah, Itzehoe. <laughs> it's a hoe. It's a hoe. Yeah, that's the, the name of the city. And that's where I was born. So <laughs> you were born in it's a yeah okay yeah yeah yeah. I'm sure that I'm sure that English people have made jokes about uh, this, yeah. this place before. Yeah, but it's very yeah. close to Hamburg, and um, I've been living in Hamburg for um, one and a half years now. Exactly. Yeah. So when I th when, when I think of Hamburg, like my first thought is of the Beatles, of course. 
because they you know they spent like lots of time there uh, uh, in the early part of their career sort of learning to be a band and stuff so uh, are the Beatles a big thing in Hamburg or not well we've got a square called Beatles Square and which yeah I think that's a, a really touristy place and that's in the um, red light district in Hamburg so that's where all the clubs are where they played in the early days and so they are obviously famous um, but yeah, I think it depends on, um, whether you are a big fan or not. So, but yeah, some of the people of Hamburg are quite proud of being part of the history of the Beatles. Yeah. It was a really important period for them. It's kind of where they really became the, the band that then went back to the UK and became a huge success. In fact, people didn't know who they were when they came back. Yeah. And they were billed as like the Beatles from Germany. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. People, you know, apparently in Liverpool, people were saying, wow, your, your English is really good. <laughs> they thought they were German. <laughs> yeah, cool. So, yeah, that is cool. All right, so Hamburg. So, okay, now in your, in your recording, um, one of the things you mentioned was about your learning of English. And you said that, was it your university professor yes. said to you, told you to, to, to give up learning English? Yeah. He told you to quit. So what happened? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, that was a really small seminar in the beginning of my studies. And um, yeah, it was all about talking and giving presentations and so on. And my English was really rusty and then after one presentation, the lecturer came to me and said, well, you should think about quitting your studies because uh, your grammar is all over the place. And uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, you're lacking vocab and everything. But um, yeah, that's, that was kind of the, the time when I restarted really putting in the work and um, had a look at different materials and um, that's also when I discovered Luke's English podcast. Right, and then that's obviously when your life improved dramatically. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, but going back to that moment then when you were at university, what were you actually studying? What was the course, the degree? Yeah, um, I studied English and business administration in order to become a teacher at a vocational school. Okay, so you were actually doing English. Yes. And your lecturer said, the f like, one of the first things your lecturer told you was like, nah, you're not good enough. Yeah. That must have been, that must have been pretty um, damaging to your confidence. Yes, it how was. Did you, how, did you feel, how did you feel? I think I was sad for one or two days. And, but then I thought, no, I really want to do this. And yeah, that's what made me even more determined to put in the hard work, really. You were about, what, 17, 18 years old, I, I guess? No, that was in my early 20s. Okay. Yeah. So how did you get to that position there where you decided, right, I'd like to be an... Was it an English teacher? You thought, I'd like to be an English teacher eventually. Yes. Is that um, what you were thinking? Yes. So in, in Germany, you have to choose two subjects, um, which you then study and become a teacher. So, yeah, I'm an English teacher now and also and business administration teacher. What led you to choose to be 
um, a teacher then, English and, and business administration? What was it that kind of, especially the English is what, you know, I, I'm interested in. Yeah. Uh, what was your, how, how would you describe your level of English then when you started that course, even though your lecturer told you to give up, which, I mean, it's not a very nice thing to say no, no. For, for a language learner. But anyway, what, what, why did you choose to, to, to become an English teacher? I've always been interested in the English language and culture, and I, I was always good at school. That's what was funny at this point, because um, I had always good marks, but that was not the real English. That was more the school English, talking about subjects which are not really related to your real life. And when you learn grammar bits, it's always about this part of, of grammar and you can learn it by heart and so on so I, I I didn't really struggle at school and so that's why I thought I was good and uh, it was fun so I, I decided to study that and yeah then <laughs> I think it was a good decision though um, yeah because I think uh, when you struggle at first and you reach a certain point where you can really communicate with people and even teach a language it's really a story of success rather than um yeah being talented or something yeah yeah where do you stand on this the the, the thing about you know people are either naturally talented at languages just naturally good at languages or it's all about the amount of hard work you put in where where do you think the balance is I think it can be both. Also, when you learn a second language um, as your mother tongue, for example, when your parents are from different countries, I think that's quite useful because then you get to know the concept of different languages early on. And uh, I think that can help. I mean, my my mother is from the south of Germany, so that even helps a bit, I think, because you realize that there are different dialects and accents and you train your ears mm. so when you were growing up though you you didn't learn another language no did you no it was uh, just german at home german at home and uh, lower german as well what's lower german that's a, a dialect oh no it's more than a dialect it's actually um, a real language so um yeah, it sounds very different compared to, to German, but um, it's still spoken, being spoken, um, yeah. but it's a dying language, unfortunately. Oh, really? Mm. Okay, okay, okay. All right, so just German at home in your life. I'm just sort of like plotting the path up to this point where you chose to be an English teacher and just sort of working it out. Um, had you spent time in an english-speaking country was it all just like academic like just school english yeah was there any life english in there no, as well at not, all not really no no uh, uh-huh. that, that only kicked in when i went to university and struggled and yeah then i realized okay i have to do something and um, then i started really um, reading books in english yeah, I changed everything, basically. I changed the settings in in my smartphone or off, can you say in my smartphone? In my smartphone, yeah, the settings in the smartphone, the settings of your smartphone. Yeah, both of them are yeah. correct. They're slightly different sense. 
Okay. The, the, the settings of your smartphone would be your smartphone's settings, right? Yeah. Like the same as like, you know, the, the, the girlfriend of my brother is my brother's girlfriend, right? Yeah. So the, you know, the smartphones, the, the settings of your smartphone are your smartphone's settings. The settings in your smartphone are the location of the settings that you're talking about. And they are in the smartphone. You've got to open the smartphone, unlock ah, it, you okay. know, enter your code, get yeah. in, and then change the settings in the settings folder. Okay. So that's like the location. So they're both okay. But I, I think I changed the settings of my smartphone then <laughs> into English, of course. And All right. Yeah. So I think immersion is key there. Yeah. Um, how, how did my podcast help? Did you do anything else other than just listen to it? Yeah, I tried shadowing a bit, but for the most part, I have to admit, I, I just listened um, because, yeah, that's great. If you are walking or if, you, if you're doing other things like doing the washing up or something, you can always listen to podcasts. And that's why I'm a huge podcast fan. It doesn't take too much time when you have to to watch a series or then you always have to focus on that and have your smartphone next to you or yeah it's just a different way of learning i think mm -hmm. yeah absolutely i think just listening i think you know most the vast majority of people just listen to the podcast which is totally great you know um that's totally fine and that's you know, the main idea, obviously, is that you just listen. And uh, yeah, the cool thing about podcasts is that it is a different form of listening. Like my wife watches a lot of series and she watches them in English. And, you know, I've, I'm always trying to get her to listen to podcasts. And recently she started listening to this, this podcast that's all about sort of like, you know, um, personal development and happiness and stuff. Mm -hmm. And she's like raving about it going, oh, it's amazing because I understand every single word And it's true when you are listening to podcasts on your headphones, it's it's just the voices. There's no other sound effects. Like in movies or TV series, there's so much other stuff that separates you from the the language and the voices. There's yeah. a lot of atmospheric sound effects. There's lots of um, music in the background. And also the visual side is the first thing. That's the, you know, it's the main thing aspect of it is the visuals and the audio often is kind of almost like mumbled muffled sort of naturalistic sounding dialogue so but with podcasts yeah it's all right there right in your ears it's very intimate it's just you 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 only ever listen to it on your own and so you do naturally develop a quite a close connection to uh the things that you're listening to and certainly the person you're listening to yeah. and i think this is really powerful in language learning because it's so personalized and so clear it should be clear anyway so yeah just listening is is great and sometimes that's all you need to do as long yeah. as it's sort of long long term and and stuff like that okay and so how did the course go your, your did you your your professor suggested that you think about quitting yeah but you didn't you, instead you kind of doubled down on on your learning of english and immersed yourself and all those other things did you kind of get um did you prove the professor wrong um well i think it was not this professor but yeah during the the my studies i improved a lot and i think that's what 
counts. You can't really say, okay, um, I'll put in the work for only half a year and then I will be the best English speaker in the world. It just takes time and that's what it is. I think there's no trick involved in language learning and um, yeah, it just needs time and it has to be fun. I think you have to find something that you really enjoy doing and then you can just do it in a different language. So as part of your course, didn't you have to go to England? No, actually, I didn't have to pass any exam. There were no entry exams or anything. Sometimes you have to do um, what's called a Tuffel test in Germany. It's a bit like... I don't know what's the equivalent. TOEFL is that? Yeah, tof is that TOEFL. Yeah, TOEFL. TOEFL T yeah. yeah, yeah. That's it's the it's a bit like IELTS, sort yes. of like the American equivalent of IELTS or, yes. or one of those Cambridge exams. Yes, but at mm. this time they really needed teachers, especially English teachers, and so they said, "Well, if you want to do it, <laughs> be our guest." And yeah, that's why I started this course. How is Germany in terms of its learning of English, do you think? How do you, how do you, as a German, how do you rate the level of English in Germany generally? I think everyone learns English at school as a second language, so that's a good thing. I think sometimes they even start in kindergarten nowadays. So I think the level is quite good. But in terms of pronunciation, we can still improve some aspects, I think. Especially the TH becomes Z sometimes. So, S. So, yeah. Yeah. So, if I spoke in a German way, I would say, Hello, this is Robin from Hamburg. And I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this... This that's almost like the kind of the cliched like German accent. If you want to do a cliched, where you just yeah. like every th sound becomes a z sound. So this, this, and that, and, and and those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and I think in terms of grammar, it's or English is much easier than German, but still they they don't get the s with the he she it. I don't know why. It's so easy, but they just keep saying. She go. And <laughs> yeah, that's just she go, he go. And oh, that's really also in writing. That's a huge problem. I don't know why. Yeah, it's interesting that. But, you know, it's not the it's not just the Germans. I mean, like everyone does that. Everyone it's like f just forgets to conjugate the verb in the third person, mm. adding S or adding a, an extra syllable if it's ES or something like that for plurals you know, plural nouns and, and uh, third-person verbs. Everyone seems to do that. It's interesting because, yeah, I, I think if we compare German and English, as you said, English is easier because it's like, if you take the word go, it's like, I go, you go, we go, they go, mm -hmm. he goes, she goes, it goes. Wow, that's so easy, right? And there's yeah. also going as well and gone, been and maybe went. Yeah, But it's, you know... A pretty limited you can count them on two hands you know yeah. the number of ver varieties of the of the of the verb go there's all there's have gone and had gone have been going 
had been going as well. But I think you can still count them on all the possible varieties on two hands. Yeah. But what about in German? How many possible versions of the verb go could you have? There are loads. I don't know. It's It starts with I. So ich gehe, du gehst, er sie es geht, wir gehen, sie gehen. So... And that's just in the present simple tense, yes, I suppose. Yes, yeah. But the difference is also in terms of the cases. We've got four cases and we also have three articles and, <laughs> and, okay. and they change in the different cases and you have to learn them by heart. So there's no rule. I think there are some rules, but there are so many exceptions so it doesn't make sense to learn the rule and um so yeah everything can be der die or das and what what are, sorry what are the different cases you mentioned we've got the uh, nominative accusative dative and we call it genitive genitive Gen probably genitive yeah. yeah genitive do you have the same in in english as well I don't think so, but tell me more about them because this is you know, nominative. I've heard all of these words before. I think probably when when talking about other languages, but in my work as an English teacher, I've never ever had to deal with nominative, stative, and the other types yeah. of case yeah. that you mentioned. So I would, I guess, we don't. No. But tell me more about those cases because maybe in English we. We just kind of do the same thing, but in a different way. I mean, you probably know because you, you, you're much more familiar with the, with the differences between German and English specifically. But yeah, tell me a little bit about those cases and maybe we can kind of work it out. Yeah. It, so it always depends on um, with whom you're doing things, for example. So um, with the nominative, you ask um, who or what? So that's the question. So who is doing something in the sentence mm. it's always about the sentence then we have accusative and i think that's also who or what but in english there's no difference between who and who and we you mean that so sorry you mean you talk about subjects and objects in a sentence yes yes like like who are you talking to and who went to the bank yes like that both who's i mean there is the old-fashioned whom Yeah. Which is the object version of who, but these days it's just who and who. That's the subject who and the object who. Yeah. So we're talking about subjects and objects in sentences? Yes, and exactly. And who does what to who? To to who or to whom. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's uh -huh. really tricky to to um explain in a different language because I mean, I'm not really familiar with all the rules because I'm a native speaker in, in German. Mm. But um, that's really tricky. But um, learners of, of German really manage it well. Um, Essentially, sorry, when, when so hmm, the grammar of a sentence changes depending on like who is doing the action to whom. Yes. And I mean, it's a bit like in English, we have active and passive. Yeah. Is it, is it along those lines that you change the form of the verb to express the agency in the sentence? Like who is actually 
performing the action and who receives the action. I mean, it's probably not the same as that. No, no. Kind of, no, it's not. <laughs> we have active and passive as, as well, but um, yeah. it's more you have to change the articles. So we already have three articles, and yeah. then you have to change them according to the case, and that's just really, really hard to do. Is it a bit like masculine and feminine in French? Yes. The, the, the masculine and feminine, obviously, that you, you change the articles that you use, like un or une or la or le, le or la, um, and so on. But also, the gender of the noun will affect other parts of the sentence yes. too. So you also have to conjugate like the adjective to make it masculine or feminine too, if that adjective goes with a masculine or feminine noun. Yeah. So maybe it's something along those lines. I'm sure we've got listeners listening who are like, <laughs> yeah. I know the answer. <laughs> please help. I will tell you. Yes. You hopefully. know, um, so please do get in the comments section and tell us if you, if you feel like, you know, we're, we're not doing this. Because the thing is that Robin is not a German teacher. No. Right. You're an English teacher. And, and we don't have these cases in English. So essentially you're listening to two people who's going, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Um, so we should probably just move on and, and yeah. let someone else maybe clarify what um, those four cases actually are in the comments section. Um, so we don't have to feel the pressure to actually do it now. Um, but uh, but so I was going to say, did you you did go to England, though, like after like all this time where it was just Germany and just like learning school, learning English at school and then going to choosing to be an English teacher because you just like the subject and then like having the shock of being told that you weren't good enough and then like changing things and getting better. When did you actually go to England? That was after my degree at university. And at this point I was master of education. <laughs> master of education. Yes. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. I had the force. The force was with me, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> and yeah. Jedi master of education. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But I wasn't really confident um, in speaking English. And so I decided to go abroad. And then I taught um, German in a royal grammar school. In South Ooh. England, yes. A royal grammar school, that sounds posh. Yeah, really posh, yeah. It was in Guildford. Do you know the place? Okay, yeah, I do. It's not far from where I grew up. I, I grew up in West London in Ealing. Yeah. Ealing's not far from Guildford. Yes, okay, royal grammar school. Yeah, it was a private wow. school, um, boys' school, of course. And, yeah, everything was very Harry Potter-like. Um Because I don't know if, if it's, it may be worth just mentioning something about the school system that most people will go to a comprehensive or state school um, like I did. And that's like those schools that are provided by the government, just, you know, normal people <laughs> yeah. in, in inverted commas go to those schools. But then there are also private schools where, where the parents will have to pay to, you know, enter the children and there'll be entrance exams and stuff like that. And they are often a bit more posh. Um, and I mean posh in the sense that, you know, they're a bit more upper class. And then even above them, there are what we call public schools. Um, and there's probably various names like, you know, maybe prep schools and finishing schools and things like that. But the really posh ones, and they are much more exclusive, very difficult to get into. They've got very old history, very traditional 
and often like you know the people who come who go to those schools will be will end up working in sort of big establishment jobs you know prince harry prince william went to eton a public school it's weird that they're called public schools because they're not really public no very very exclusive and quite private but anyway this this royal grammar school where would you put it on the scale of those like comprehensive then private and then public meaning very private where would you put them where where would you put that school that was very private yeah very exclusive yeah okay so posh very posh yeah <laughs> and i was a yeah. german assistant and i taught um yeah pupils who were 14 15 so at gcse level and uh, that was really interesting because um my job was to ask them questions which were on a long list about three pages and then they always had to a- answer the questions with three sentences so they really learned it by heart. Um, for example, um, what's your favorite animal? Then they said, my favorite animal is the dog because I like dogs and I like to cuddle dogs or something like that. Really bad. And then I said, <laughs> okay, what about cats? And then they said, ooh, what's a cat? And yeah. so it, it, it wasn't really language learning. It was more preparing for the exam and so that's what i found quite funny but actually it's not really helpful but they were just they were just learning these stock phrases yeah. so they could just get through the exam they weren't learning german in order to have german as a skill in their lives so that no. they can actually go and use it they probably weren't interested in ever speaking german no, to no. other people it was just all right, let's tick this box and get jump through this hoop yeah. and get to the next school. Exactly. Sort of thing. Mm. There was only a handful of um, pupils who who wanted to develop a good level of, of German, and then I also had three students which took German at or as a course for their sixth form or for their yeah. for their um, A, A level, levels. A levels. Yeah. And they were really keen. But then at some point I tried to find material for them which could be helpful to improve their skills not only at school but also in their free time. And there wasn't really much. And I also had a look at podcasts. And that's when I started my podcast basically because there was no good podcast for advanced learners. And because... I knew your podcast. I thought um, it might be my chance to do my own podcast and giving back. <laughs> yeah. So you thought, I, you know, I could do a kind of similar thing yeah. in German and English people could uh, learn from it. Exactly. And I could kind of, you were sort of in, inspired maybe by the, the approach that I'd taken to, to doing my episodes yeah, yeah. we'll talk okay. about your podcast and stuff and podcasting in a moment but um I, i'm just curious about your the time that you spent in england and in this posh school what what was it like then i mean what what were your so there's okay so there's moving to england and spending what was it like uh, nearly a year yeah eight months eight eight, eight months so that's quite a you know, decent amount of time so there's living in england in general 
and then your experience specifically in this school and what the school was like and what the kids were like and stuff. What about England? So, so you lived in southwest England, no, southeast England, yeah. west of London, somewhere near Guildford. Um, before you went to England, what did you expect? And when you arrived, were your expectations the same? You know, were your expectations uh, met or were they uh, contradicted by what you actually experienced? there yeah. that's a long question yeah well i i had heard about the drinking culture for example that they drink a lot and they they have carpet everywhere even in the bathroom and yeah i don't know lots of squirrels in the parks and uh, driving on the other side of the road and so on so that was my image or yeah that's what i thought about england and i think Yeah, most of the stereotypes were met. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I, I like the stereotypes, so it's not a, it's not a problem. Uh, yeah, in any way. So I, mm. for example, really like that they fill up the the pints um, until the brim. The, so can you say that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So in Germany, well, pretty much, pretty much till the brim. It depends what you're drinking. If it's lager, yeah, it'll get filled all the way up to the top, all the way up to the brim yeah. of the glass. Yeah. yeah. If it's if it's something else like a maybe a glass of ale or, or Guinness, especially, then it's normal to leave a certain head on the beer. Yeah. There should be a head if it's especially if it's Guinness or a frothy beer. Then there should be probably about a centimeter and a half of head. And if it's Guinness, the head should rise above the glass slightly. Yeah. And in fact, if the head is too large, you're well within your rights to say to the barman, sorry, can you top that up a bit? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can do that. But yeah. in Germany, there's usually a huge foamy head of beer on, in your yeah, pint glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just mm. <laughs> a ripoff. <laughs> 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 yeah. And we have this mark um, where it says, yeah, this is the, where you have to stop filling it up and that's yeah i mean that's probably very german to stop there <laughs> very well, accurate this is the uh, this is the uh, legally allotted amount of beer that can be put in the glass yeah. and there's a number and a mark on it yeah and you're not allowed to go above or below the line it has to be exactly on that yeah. line yeah that's quite fair i suppose that's what you pay for <laughs> yeah you get what you pay for yeah, yeah everything's everything's been accounted for um, but the thing is that, that in Germany, the glass is often larger than the amount of beer that you're getting. So the feeling might be, oh, I'm, I'm buying a large glass of beer, but actually, it, in fact, you get a bit less than it looks like. But ultimately, I mean, you're still getting, yeah. you know, what you're getting, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in Bavaria, the glasses are much bigger. Right. Is that, so that's, that may be one of those things that, that, um, one of those stereotypes of Germany is that everything is like it is in Bavaria. No, it that, isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I'm sure that English people sort of came to you with these ideas of what Germany is. And you're like, no, that's Bavaria. That's Bavaria too. Yeah. No, that's Bavaria as well. It seems that Bavaria seems to be the thing that we all assume is Germany, but it's not the case, is it? No, no. I've never been to the Oktoberfest, for example, but mm, it's nothing I would, like to go to it's just yeah big festival and it's all about drinking 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 and 
I don't know. I like festivals, but um, I don't really like the music there. It's more German Schlager. I don't know if you're familiar with the concept of Schlager. No. What schla I know what Lager is. That's beer. But I don't know what <laughs> Schlager is. What, sh what is Schlager? Yeah, Schlager is a genre which is very basic. So you've got the beat, which is always, um, what is it, four, four, four? Four, four. Dum, dum, dum. Yeah. Like that. Is it kind of like dark electronic music? Yeah, kind of. So you've got the synthesizer as well. And you've got a really simple text. So, for example, I would like to hug you. And that's that's <laughs> that's the chorus. And then everyone starts singing, I would like to hug you, for example. Or please bring me a beer. That's also... <laughs> it's that also a chorus. chorus. Yeah, yeah. That's the chorus of the song. Yeah. And, and the verses, do they have like more sophisticated lyrics in the verses? Or, no, it's or more what? like... You are quite ugly, so please bring me a beer so that <laughs> so that you become more pretty after a couple of pints, basically. So right. it's more like, yeah, it's supposed to be funny, I think, but it's it's really, oh, I don't know. It's kind of like low. brainless, yeah. brain, brainless drinking music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think every culture has its own brainless music, but this is maybe the German variety. It's probably got it's probably got its its fans and stuff. Yeah, you're, I guess you're not it one does. of them. No, yeah. not really. Okay, <laughs> it's not really sophisticated, but um, I mean, it doesn't have to be. If you want to have a good time, um, it's fine, and it's also fine for one evening. I think so. After ten p.m. after a pint or two <laughs> it's fine <Yeah. laughs> but it's not like hmm i'm gonna listen to some music now no i'll listen no. to some schlager on spotify <laughs> no. No. no 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 so all right so what did what what did english people say to you when they met you as a german yeah um i think few people mentioned the war <laughs> of course uh, like what in what way though Yeah, I don't know. It was, I mean, those people weren't really intelligent, let's say. And it was <laughs> always in a pub situation. So like, yeah, also after a couple of pints, like, uh, yeah, what do you think about Hitler and so on? And that was, uh, yeah. and then I, I didn't really know what to say. But then it was, I, I replied something like, yeah, that's, that's history and, I don't know. It's horrible, but I, I don't have to do anything with that. So, yeah, it was nothing to do with you no, whatsoever. No, yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, there is a difference. I mean, I'm sorry to, we won't talk about this a lot, but I think there is a difference between the way that the war is considered in the UK and the way it's considered in Germany, and in fact, other European countries too. That in the UK, there's to an extent there is this sense that like we look on look at the war in almost a positive way because we feel that we won mm. even though it's ridiculous to to say it, i think yeah and you know so so people are almost like nostalgic about the war and there's like loads of documentaries on tv constantly about it and you know 
Hitler is something that everyone's slightly obsessed by because we're like, you know, the um, the uh, the real Hitler and like, you know, like how did this happen? Who was he? And everyone's sort of obsessed by it. But we feel that we're able to um, think about it and talk about it and investigate it because we're in a more comfortable. It's we're coming from a more comfortable place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, whereas in Germany, I think you've dealt with it and you've grown up and you've you've gone beyond it. Yeah. Um in in a way that in the UK we're still slightly we're still holding on to something in the past. Holding on to a sense of victory or a sense of like Britishness that is defined by how we resisted mm. something. Yeah. And we still a lot of people still hold on to that and are yeah. kind of proud of it. And also in Germany it's sort of it's a bit of a taboo, isn't it? Like like um you know, Nazi things and stuff. It's not really cool to talk about it. You know, I think mm. it's, it's it like some some references to World War Two are even sort of banned and stuff. Like the 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 iconography of it and yeah. stuff is yeah, of course. So it probably makes people feel more uncomfortable than it does in the UK. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. All right. But- I can. Did people take the piss out of you? For being a German, not really, not really. I think, um, yeah, a lot of people were quite interested in the culture and also in, yeah, festivals in Germany. We have the biggest heavy metal open air festival uh, in in Germany, and yeah, that's quite um, close to um, Hamburg, so it's about fifty kilometers away, and yeah, it's really it's really nice. It's um I go there every every year and it's just a different world and I like metal that's why. Yeah, metal is big in Germany, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. You got you mentioned in your recording some German bands like Rams Rams how do you say it? Yeah, we say Ram <clears throat> sorry, Rammstein. Rammstein. But they they roll the R which Rammstein which is something we actually don't do anymore i think that was before the war they sometimes did it like richtig uh, which is the word for true um yeah and but they i mean they play with all these references also they made a song called deutschland and they talked about the relationship between the country and the people nowadays which is quite interesting but they had all these nazi references in the song which was yeah kind of interesting and no one really um knew how to to deal with this song and that's why <laughs> they are so so big i think they they just yeah use words from history and and put it into context but it's it's a different contact context and it's it's always art and you can't say it's they are right wing or something it's it's just that they are playing with this stuff and some people say it's it's great they are geniuses and some say oh no it's just ridiculous well that's kind of like metal heavy metal i mean that sort of goes with the territory when you're dealing with heavy metal doesn't it that that uh, it is a sort of a, 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 a shocking or dark or f- sort of frightening genre of music to an extent. And that's sort of part of the fun. Yeah. It's like, you know, you think of Black Sabbath 
the 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 British heavy metal band, and they used lots of sort of like religious iconography, like inverted crosses, mm. suggesting Satan worship and stuff. Yeah. None of them were real Satan worshippers. No. They just thought it was oh, this is cool, isn't it? Like, yeah. oh, that's sort of scary, you know, like yeah. a like um like a horror film, you know, or like a Dracula film or something. They just found it exciting and scary. And also the kids loved that too because it was kind of rebellious and and um different to what had come before, which was sort of flower power and peace and love, man. And that when when you when your older brothers and sisters are into all that stuff, you want to be into something different. Yeah, yeah. And so Black Sabbath coming along, doing all this dark, scary stuff, horror movie inspired music. That's just exciting. And this is just this is just what heavy metal does. It just takes scary and challenging and shocking things and puts it to awesome, powerful music, and the result is something really awesome. Yeah you know that that is exciting to listen to um so yeah it just goes with the territory i guess exactly yeah but i think we are famous for rammstein um also in the uk so that was i think the main thing i heard from people that i met for the first time oh germany rammstein so they were really interested in the music yeah that's cool Interesting, this sort of like musical relationship yeah. between the UK and Germany and the importance of Germany in music. Obviously, we mentioned the Beatles going to Hamburg, mm -hmm. which a lot of people sort of maybe don't realise that before they went to Hamburg, they were pretty rubbish. <laughs> you know, they were a bit, they were crap. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they couldn't play, you know, they were pretty rubbish. And going to Hamburg, I don't know if it's just because it was Germany, You know, it's not like something in the water or whatever. But um, I think just going to a different place, going away from home and, yeah, getting jobs. Because so there was there was a promoter in the red light district of Hamburg. What's that area called? Zank Pauli. Zank Pauli. Exactly. Yeah. That the Zank Pauli was where a lot of sailors would come in from the docks. Yeah. And just generally there was a scene there where... Um, owners of clubs and bars wanted bands to play the the cool the latest cool music which was rock and roll and they were looking for groups who could do it to put on entertainment for all the people you know having fun there and they ended up finding people in england in 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 liverpool because there was a scene in liverpool interesting that it was liverpool too because that's a port town with a mm. dock yeah and a lot of a lot of like people coming in from other parts of the world, including the United States, and bringing in some music. Yeah, you know, and just interesting that these port towns kind of that there was a sort of communication of culture yeah. between America and Liverpool and Germany and stuff. And then, so the Beatles were one of the groups that was brought along. And in fact, like other promoters and stuff at the time, like I think were saying, like, "Oh, you brought the Beatles? Yeah. Ugh. they weren't <laughs> the greatest band." And then they were in Hamburg, in St. Pauli, playing in these grotty little, scummy little clubs. Yeah. Playing something like eight hours a night, or during the day and into the night, playing these long sessions, often 
fueled on on amphetamines <laughs> as well yeah. there were these diet pills that would go around all the all the staff the bar men the the waitresses had these diet pills that essentially allowed you to stay awake and actually do your job all through the night hmm. and so they were all sort of on these these um these pills pred preludin i think it was okay and then they just played and played and played and played all night in these german clubs and that's kind of how they got there you know like famously it's like ten thousand hours of practice or something yeah and that's what formed them into the tight-knit group that they were and then they they as i said before they went back to liverpool and everyone was like wow who are these guys they're amazing yeah and they they weren't even the first choice i think i think they asked uh well they had asked um other bands before and they couldn't manage it uh, something and then yeah the beatles were the lucky ones interesting and but also other german music there's kind of like uh craft work are so important i don't know if you're a fan of craft work they're not I, i think i guess you're into the more guitar orientated like heavy metal stuff yeah yeah i'm more into rock yeah more into rock right but craft workers like massive group really mm. in the sense that they were one of the first groups to do electronic music techno yeah 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 That's one big electronic band, and we've got Scooter nowadays. Do you know Scooter? Yeah, I've, I've heard of Scooter. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're pretty. I think uh, I'm right in saying that they're a little ridiculous, right? Yeah, it's kind of like like happy hardcore or yeah, yeah, sort of Euro techno stuff. Yeah, the lyrics are, for example, "How much is the fish?" And that's yeah. All they mm -hmm. have to say in this song. <laughs> <laughs> How much is the fish, though? I mean... Yeah, it depends. <laughs> especially how big the fish is. Especially in, in Hamburg. Um, can be a bit more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it depends what kind of fish it is that you're, you're talking about. I guess. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. I mean, obviously, more recently, you've just got kind of the kind of chill out like down tempo german dj's and 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 things like that mm. also i think angela merkel is well known in europe at least yeah um, does yeah. she play music i don't know <laughs> probably she sings in uh, <laughs> in the shower or something i don't know um yeah 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 Okay, so maybe we should mention the humour as well, because this is one thing that Brits will often say about Germans, that, that Brits like to think that Germans don't have a sense of humour. Yeah. Right? But where do you stand on this? I think we have humour, of course, but um, I think we are more <clears throat> politi politically correct. So also because of our history we don't dare to make really hardcore jokes in a way like for example we we don't make jokes about um, nazis for example and um, so we are kind of restricted a bit and that's what i like about the the british humor because there's no boundary or no mm -hmm. You can exaggerate until, yeah, 
you are satisfied basically <laughs> yeah it's almost like humor for us is so important and it's everywhere because it just gives us room to breathe yeah oddly enough and that you can just go off on a humoristic tangent yeah and it can either be ridiculous and surreal yeah you know like the sort of monty python type things or it can be caustic and shocking mm -hmm. making jokes about any subject like i mean you know internationally at the moment that obviously there's a difference in culture is it's becoming less acceptable and people are a bit more sensitive to to certain subjects and jokes and things i don't know if that's any different than it was or if people are just more aware of what other people think because of the internet and social media but yeah let's say that in the uk sure like you can kind of be funny about any subject and there's no there are no restrictions yeah and also also we uh there's 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 no sort of specific time or place for being humorous that it just sort of comes into everyday life yeah did you i don't know if true. you noticed that at all yeah did, were you were, were there periods where you're thinking are they joking or are they being serious yes the, uh, yeah i i noticed the the dry humor like um Sometimes it's, it was just one sentence, which was a bit weird. Let me think of an example. When I asked, for example, can I go there? And then they said, no, you can't. And it was like, of course you can. But yeah. I thought, what? Why not? So this kind of humor, just saying, <laughs> saying the opposite, but being, yeah, like stiff upper lip. Can you say that? In that stiff, stiff upper lip sort of. Um, I don't know if that's stiff upper lip or just kind of, uh, I know it's, it's, um, deadpan. Deadpan. Yeah. Deadpan, which is like not showing any emotion on your face. Yeah. When exactly. you say the line. Exactly. So I can imagine the situation. It's like, you've left your phone in a, in a, in a room and there's like a couple of people just having a little meeting in that room. Yeah. A couple of teachers, you know, just discussing something in the room and you pop your head in the door and say, Oh, sorry, can I just get my phone? Yeah. And they go, no, you can't, no. <laughs> no yeah, exactly, yeah. That kind of humour. Yeah. And, and, and what they mean is, yeah, of course you can, stupid idiot. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Just get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's weird that. Like, like sometimes those moments, those, those things are just there to diffuse tension. Yeah. Because there's a little, maybe a bit of awkwardness of you like, oh, sorry to bother you. You know, I left my phone here. Do you mind if I get it? Yeah, yeah. And they just want to break down that tension but do it in a, I, don't, I can't explain it, but just like, can I get my phone? No. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're supposed to be like, oh, all right, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, oh, oh. But it takes some time to, <laughs> to get used to it and also to get used to the politeness in everyday life. So saying sorry all the time. Mm -hmm. But I think after, yeah, two or three months, I got used to it. Um, that's when I, bumped into my bed in 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 my bedroom i was alone i was on my own and i bumped into my my bed can you say that yeah you were just like you were walking across your room and yeah. you just accidentally bumped your bed with yeah. your leg or something yeah and i said oh sorry <laughs> did the bed say sorry too <laughs> no but that's uh, yeah that's the moment where i realized okay You're becoming British now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you, you and you get to the extra level of Britishness when someone bumps into you and then you say sorry to them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When they bump into you. Yeah. There was one situation where I, when I um, left my book somewhere in the room and someone said to me, oh, 
so I'm, I'm very sorry, you left your book in the room. And I said, why is he sorry? I mean, I think he said sorry three times. Mm. I mean, there's different meanings to yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. But it felt like he was really sorry that I left, that I had left the, the book in the room. But when you say he was sorry, do you mean that he was put out? Like he felt like, oh, I can't believe he left the book. You know, this is really inconvenient. No, 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 no. Like, no, not like that. He wasn't put out by it. It was like, um, oh, that, that was my mistake in a sense. So not my mistake, but his mistake in this situation. Yes. Yeah, that's very interesting. That's, that's a, definitely a big thing that we somehow in those situations appear to take responsibility for something which is not our fault. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. that's what the sorry means. So when someone steps on your foot on the train and you automatically say sorry and they say sorry to you as well, essentially what that sorry means is no problem. It's all right. Ah, no problem. Okay. It's, it's all right. No, it's, everything's okay. Yeah. Don't feel bad. I'm not, you know, like I'll take responsibility for it too. It's a shared thing. We're both responsible. Yeah. Everything's fine. No problem. It's all good. Okay. That's what sorry means. Okay. It means it's, no, everything's fine. It's all right. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I but didn't... if you say it's, if you say it's all right, you're suggesting that they have a, that there is a reason for you to tell them that it's all right. And that if you're telling them it's all right, then you are in a position, your higher status position Yeah. Because you're saying, no, I've you you just stepped on my foot, but I am forgiving you. But that is too complicated. It's still the status is still in yeah. place. Yeah. But if you say sorry, then you're as if you're saying it was my fault, and then the other person knows that it wasn't your fault, but they also know that you are by by claiming responsibility for it that that takes the pressure off them. Yeah, I think that's why we call it culture because it's very implicit. And you have to get to know the culture, really, and live there for a longer time. The thing is, though, also about this kind of culture, these cultural things, is that most people living in a culture don't ever think about it, really. And the whole sorry, sorry thing, it's just I've only come to that conclusion because I've been trying to th I've been thinking about it for 20 years <laughs> or more yeah. and trying to work out what my culture is. But it takes a lot of time, a lot of object objectivity to get to that position. But I think most English people, if they, even, sometimes they don't even realize probably that they say sorry like that. That only foreigners coming into England, noticing the way that English people interact in an objective way, then they, then they come to the conclusion, English people say sorry a lot. Yeah. But if you say that to an English person, why do you say sorry so much? The English person will be like... Fuck off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they don't mean so sorry. Like, sometimes it's a bit pretentious. So I, I would say it's just, um, yeah, part of the language. But um, not everyone is polite, even mm -hmm. though they say, Absolutely. even though they say sorry and please and could you and would you be so kind and so on. Um, yeah. Because you can weaponize the word sorry. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, but, um, you know, this was supposed to be done earlier. <laughs> and that sorry yeah. is like, fuck you. This was supposed to be done earlier. Yeah. It's the same in France, like the way people say bonjour. And you say, you have to say bonjour before you get anything done, mm -hmm. right? And as you may know, like if you go to the shop, you have to say bonjour or whatever if you see, meet someone in the street. But sometimes bonjour can be pretty 
pretty aggressive. Bonjour. Yeah. And, and you know, that can be weaponized in the same way that sorry can be sort of weaponized of like, sorry, but uh, yeah. and there sorry means that I am well within my rights to be angry with you about this. Sorry for being angry or I know I'm being angry, but, you know. Yeah, it's all about intonation. And yeah. So mm. and that's something you only can learn in the country, I, I think. I mean, you, I guess. You, you could watch a lot of YouTube videos and so on, and you can also listen to podcasts and so on. But uh, I think the experience is still different compared to consuming media. Yeah. Like having someone like me or a YouTuber, for example, explaining British culture or British humor to someone is miles away from actually experiencing it firsthand and understanding how to interact with it yeah. and stuff like that. You know, it's like that old thing of like, you know, um, uh, talking about music is a bit like dancing about architecture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's almost impossible to do. And like the, the process of doing it sort of somehow cheapens the thing that you're talking about or, or, to, you know, makes it two dimensional rather than three dimensional or something. Yeah. But it's good to be aware of it. Um, before you go into a different country, you should listen to some some native speakers and um, inform yourself about culture and cultural differences, of course. yeah. And ultimately, keep an open mind. And I think the best thing is just to be curious and to be happy to be yeah, there. Yeah. And to be, you know, to be interested in the culture that you're, that you're part of and to show your interest. And there's nothing wrong with being different, you know. And if you do come from another country, you can't escape the fact that you're, you're different. You just have to try to be enthusiastic. Yeah. And people will respond to it well, usually, if, if, you, if you like that. Be nice, be enthusiastic, you know, just be excellent to people. Yeah. <laughs> General rule. Um, right, should we talk about... Right, so let's talk about your podcast a little bit, and then you can try and teach me a bit of German. Yeah, at the at the end here. All right. So, so you chose to start doing your podcast, as we said, because you thought that it it, it would be, a, you know, that there would be an audience for it, and that you could use a similar approach to to you know the things that you'd heard me say and things like that. And so, um, how long have you been doing the the podcast? I've been doing it for two years now. And I started in England and nowadays I'm doing it once or twice a month because it's just my, my hobby and um, you have to work at school. So it can be a bit much to release an episode every week. But that's how I started when I was in England. But that was a bit too much. <laughs> well, yeah, it just require it requires some work, doesn't it? Yeah. You've got to do yeah, yeah. preparation and stuff like that. What aspect of it should we talk about? What's your recording setup? This is, as a podcaster myself, it's something that I am into. I like the microphones and the way it's all done. Yeah. How do you do it? Well, I actually listened to your episode about technical uh, equipment. And that's why I bought the Zoom H5, which is a really nice recorder. And what I... Um, like most about it is the portability so that I can just yeah, grab it and go to any place. For example, I had a games night um, some months ago. Uh, I mean, currently 
we're not allowed to to do it but uh, then i just uh, grabbed the zoom h5 and yeah put it onto the table and recorded these this um game for example and that's the kind of input or yeah let's say authentic input i want to give to my audience yeah and then i've got the usb mic here what is it anti-usb um, by road so that's my setup yeah i guess there's like two ways pretty much of doing it you've got the usb approach or the recording onto an sd card yeah. approach yeah right so the 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 zoom h5 is what you use to record onto an sd card all right exactly. and the rode microphone the usb microphone is what you use to record onto a computer or if you're doing anything that requires your audio to go into the computer and maybe like live streams or if you're doing a youtube video you, you probably want a microphone connected to your computer yes yeah but you're so you use the zoom h5 that listeners forgive this geeky microphone <laughs> chat but some people are into it you know um with the zoom h5 listeners imagine this it's like a little handheld sort of box and on the top of it there is a microphone like a pretty clever microphone that captures stereo sound really well and you cover it with a foam muffler but also on the zoom h5 there are several other inputs where you can plug in microphones the sorts of microphones that you would see on stage in a music show or a stand-up comedy show so you don't use those xlr microphone inputs then you just record directly through the inbuilt microphone do you well it depends um for a interview situation i would use um an external sm58 so that's also the sure the gold standard mic for on stage i think and wait so you wait you have one sure sm58 and you for for two people or do you have two sm58s one for each person i've got only one and then i use the built-in microphone um from the zoom h5 and the sm58 Right, so you've got your, your guest has got the SM58 and yeah. you're holding the Zoom yeah, and yeah. speaking into the microphone on the top of the Zoom while, while they... Yeah, 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 that's good. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm still on a budget, um, <laughs> but I'm saving money for your microphone as well. Oh, you want to get a, a Shure SM7B? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the, the gold standard for podcasters nowadays. Although there are quite a lot of other microphones you can get that are cheaper, but yeah, this is this is one that um, a lot of people use. And listeners, if I don't know, a lot, a lot of people will be aware of Joe Rogan and the Joe Rogan Experience podcast and his YouTube channel, and he famously uses this microphone, uh, so it's quite sort of well known for that. Mark Maron uses one of these, and then you know loads of other YouTubers and podcasters use this microphone. I mean. The difference between this and a and an SM58, one of the standard listeners, one of those stand-up comedy microphones, ones that you might hold in your hand, the difference in quality between this and one of them is not huge. In fact, sometimes when I don't want to have... So normally when I'm recording my podcast, I have this, uh, this Shure SM7B attached to a boom arm, which is clamped to my desk. And it sits it, you know, listeners, if you've seen me do, you know, podcast recordings on YouTube, it's that microphone that's like hanging from a metal arm in front of my face. And that gives me, that means I can move my hands around. 
and I can type and stuff on the keyboard. But sometimes, for some reason, I just don't want to do it like that. I'll just start. Rec- I'll get ready to record, and I'll be like, I don't want to do it. I want to do something different today. And sometimes I want to have the handheld microphone so I can actually move mm. my body. Because the thing is about having a microphone on a stand is that you're forced. Your your head has to be pretty much in the same spot the entire time, so your body becomes fairly immobile. So it's, I find it quite nice to change the microphone sometimes, and sometimes use an SM58 instead so i can move around i don't know if it's noticeable on the podcast when i use this microphone or that microphone or does it always just sound the same what do you think i I think i do but um yeah really it's just because i pay attention to it and because i'm a podcaster as well so i think it's it's like being a musician and um listening to music you don't experience it the same way um like normal let's say normal people <laughs> would it's it's more like you you listen to ah oh, what is the drummer playing and so on so you don't yeah you don't notice the whole song especially when you are a drummer you pay attention to the drums and then probably to the bass and you're a, you're a drummer too yeah aren't you? yeah 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 and i think that can be a problem sometimes because you don't really enjoy the whole song Mm, or or if you're in, so yeah essentially we're talking about the fact that when you have a certain interest like you're a podcaster so you are interested yeah. in the the microphone sounds yeah that you will your attention gets focused on hmm that's interesting the 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 that there's less treble on this recording or the microphone <laughs> yeah. there's le- less there appears to be less depth in the recording this time i wonder which microphone he's using now yeah and so yeah you get focused on that maybe instead of just listening generally to to the things being said um but yeah i mean that's that's cool i mean everyone's got their own way of listening and in music yes if you're a drummer you're likely to focus on how the drummer is playing or the the sound of the drums and i guess that leads you often into certain other genres of music like uh like you know death metal which is very technical yeah and you can really enjoy the technical skill of the musicians or something like jazz as well which is a similar thing um, or more improvisational forms of music where it's all about the musicians skills and how where they can take the music so yeah people yeah being a drummer sort of yeah makes you listen to music differently and then makes you listen to different kinds of music so yeah. schlager is not your cup of tea no it isn't uh, because it's just like there's there's no there's there's nothing going on here in the drums it's just no. doom, 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 doom. there's nothing of interest for me it's not even yeah. a drum <laughs> it's a drum computer <laughs> yeah. right yeah right um okay okay so that's it's interesting for me to to kind of talk about the technology stuff. I don't often get a chance to do that. Um, I mean, there are, as I was saying, there are other microphones other than the SM7B. I mean, I think it's great because it's got just a certain kind of depth to the sound. But you could, there are other things like there's the um, the Rode Pod Mic. Yeah, Pod Mic. Yeah, it's a decent microphone. I was looking into that, but then I watched a video where they compared both like the SM7B and the pot mic. And I think it's also a question of, of um, taste because I'm used to, to your setup, really. I, I like the, the warmth of the SM7B. And 
the pot mic is, I don't know, it's not that warm. It's good. It's mm. it's crisp and everything, but I don't know. It's it's a bit like choosing a different guitar or choosing a different drum set. It does the job, but it's a matter of taste. Yeah, it's like choosing a choosing a bass guitar. Yeah, is is really hard because you think you know there's lots of different basses. But for most people, it comes down to, am I going to get a Fender Precision Bass or a Fender Jazz Bass? And me, personally, I went for a Fender Precision Bass. But every day, I think, I really want a Jazz Bass. Maybe I should get a Jazz Bass. <laughs> yeah. Thinking, Maybe I should get one. And I'm thinking, no, I really shouldn't. You know, I cannot justify having two electric bass guitars just because of little like yeah. um specific uh preferences like with the jazz bass i want to be able to put my thumb on the um on the um um pickup yeah there's there's several pickups and they're both really convenient for for resting your thumb on them <laughs> you can do that with a p bass but i always get the feeling i'm squashing the 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 pickup into the body of the guitar when i do that mm. and also just you know i want to be able to like i don't know even It's it's so stupid. It's such minute details. It's so picky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes. And then if you think about the amount of money you would spend or could spend on that, it's 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 not worth it. It's But yeah. it, it depends, of course. I've got a, f a friend of mine, he's got 20 guitars now. And that's just because they were cheap or I don't know, or that's a nice color. For example, <laughs> okay, a new guitar every month. So, yeah, I mean, if you can afford it, it's fine. But um, I think it doesn't really matter for the audience. So as long as it's nicely done and there's no noise in the background and so on, um, then it's fine. Yeah, I agree. And we have to try and maintain some level of discipline. Uh, like your friend with the 20 guitars i mean does he does he play guitar every day is he you know it, does he spend more time thinking about which guitar which guitars he's got and which ones he wants or does he spend more time actually playing and refining his skills and writing songs and things because sometimes all those guitars can be a huge distraction that just prevent you from actually making the right music that you, you want to make yeah what do you, does he actually i think he's more a collector <laughs> but right. he's also i i mean he's the the player in my band so and he's got two bands now so that's that's okay i think but yeah still it's a bit like i don't know it's just too much that's a good thing as a drummer i can only spend money on cymbals which are also quite expensive but my main drum kit is yeah or has been the same for 15 years now yeah skins yeah <laughs> sticks you could sticks and skins yeah you could uh, and a snare drum and then you yeah. think well oh, maybe i should upgrade my bass pedal yeah, and, yeah. Uh, my hi-hat stand i could do with a new one of them and yeah then you get into yeah. all of that stuff but yeah it's it's healthy to have some level of some restrictions so that you only focus on the the end product Yeah, that's, you know, it's like like with podcasting. I probably have too many microphones, and sometimes that stuff gets in the way. 
Sometimes I spend, I've, I've had times where I'm about to start recording and I just start faffing around with microphones and audio. Hmm. And I'm like, it, it actually prevents me from recording an episode because yeah. I'm like, no, I'll, I'll use this microphone. Hmm, maybe I should connect it like this. And hmm, with, with, the, with, you know, uh, shall I have it in my hand or on the beam, boom arm? And I'm like going through all these options and then I realise, oh, well, I can't do the episode now because mm. I spent too long umming and ahhing about the setup. And whereas the average listener on the other end is like, we don't care. Just yeah. record an episode, for goodness sake. <laughs> Where's the next episode? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but, but also, I think sometimes, I mean, just going back to that thing of, I think there is a difference between recording an episode where the microphone is static and you have to stay static too. And recording an episode where the mic is in your hand and you can move around. And sometimes I find it weirdly like a little physical thing, like being able to move around or even be on my feet just somehow opens up. The, I, don't know, I don't know if it's creativity or not. It just suddenly makes me a little bit more comfortable and it makes the episode happen. Yeah. But it's, it's quite easy to get blocked. You can, yeah, get, yeah. you can get blocked by routine and just being able to change the routine can be quite, quite nice. Yeah. Mm. That was really geeky. It was extremely geeky, but the geeky bit is over, although we are now <laughs> going to talk about German. So, so we thought it might be fun for you to try and teach me a bit of German or at least try and get me to say some words or phrases in German. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Shall we? Right. Go ahead. Over to you. You are now my German teacher. Okay. So I've got um, three words for you, which are representing the German language, I would say. And I've just sent you the three words and mm -hmm. it's only in German. So I would like you to pronounce them first and then to guess what it could mean. So okay. let's start with the first one. How would you pronounce it? Well, I mean, I here come the excuses. I'm not familiar with German, really, but I'm going to give it a shot. Okay, so... Uh, Schildkröte. Yeah, good. Schildkröte. Yeah. Mm. The, the O sound is an umlaut. Mm. Um, so we say Ö. Schildkröte. Yes, good. Schildkröte. There's a Kr. Yeah, that's because Schildkröte. The K and the R. Schildkröte. Schildkröte. Okay. Well done. Hmm. So what do you think? What could it mean? Schildkröte. Um, hmm. Well, it's a, it sounds like a compound it between is. two words, schild and kröte. Um, I've no idea. Schild, maybe child. I mean, I'm, I'm just sort of using my English here, and I know that some things between German and English are similar. So maybe schild is, is it? Child or is it shield? Like a yeah. like the shield that Captain America has exactly. a shield. That's a shield. So sh yeah. shield kruter is I don't know what the the yeah. kruter part yeah. is. Um I think Kruter. English doesn't help there. Kruter is toad. So what Toad? It, like like a frog like yeah. frog and toad. What like could it, what could it be? A frog with a shield. Frog with a shield? Ah. A frog or a toad with a shield? Uh, I don't know. Oh, I know. It's a turtle or a, yeah. uh, a turtle or a tortoise. Yeah, exactly. So we've got the shield frog. 
<laughs> German shield frog. I mean, this is uh, a funny thing about German for me is the way that you do uh, make these longer compound nouns, yeah. and some of them go on for ages. Yeah, I've got an example if you want. Yeah, um, Donau Dampfschifffahrtsgesellschaftskapitän. That's one word. Wow! <laughs> break it, break it down for me. Okay, um, Donau. Donau, Donau. Donau is the river. It's, it's mm. just a name. Dampf. Mm -hmm. Dampf Dampf is steam. Yeah, river steam. Schifffahrt is basically um, Schifffahrt. Oh, let me think. Um, fart? Yeah, fart? No, no. <laughs> it's um, boats, basically. Um, okay, okay. You're shipping. Um, yeah. And then Gesellschaft. Gesellschaft can be society yeah. or just company in a way. Mm -hmm. And then Kapi okay. Kapitän is the captain. So it's the captain of the boat that is on um, a steam engine in, in the Donau. <laughs> <laughs> right, the captain of a steam yeah. engine boat on a certain river. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is exactly. and say the word for me again. Oh, it's too long. Donau Dampfschifffahrtsgesellschaftskapitän. Wonderful. <laughs> Listen and <All> repeat. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that okay. So we just did uh, Schild Schildkröte. Yeah. Schildkröte. And then say it again. Yeah, Schildkröte. Schildkröte, which okay. is a, a tortoise, um, yeah. yeah, tortoise, yeah, shield frog, and wonderful. Then the next. next, I think you, yeah, just try it. Eichhörnchen, Eich, Eichhörnchen. Yeah, good. Because there's an umlaut in there, like in Schildkröte, exactly. Kröte. Ein, Eich, Eich or Einch, I don't know. Eich, Eich, Eich. It's, Eich. it's like, Eich. like an angry cat. Eichhorten. Eich Eich or Horschen. Hören and then the angry cat again. Chen. Eichhörnchen. Eichhörnchen. Yeah, good job. Eichhörnchen. 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 Yeah, exactly. Okay, what's, and is there a stress in the word? Is it like. Eichhörnchen or Eichhörnchen or uh, it's uh, on the first syllable Eichhörnchen Eichhörnchen okay yes. what's Eichhörnchen that's a that's a squirrel oh of course of course it is because squirrel is the word that is impossible to pronounce in every language <laughs> yeah because exactly. squirrel in English is hard for people to say squirrel uh, Paul Taylor says this on stage it's part of his his show that he gets the audience to like say the word for squirrel in different languages squirrel is hard to say in french écureuil is quite hard to say yeah and eichhörnchen eichhörnchen okay listeners <laughs> yep. let's move on to the next Good. word yeah what's the last one can you try it uh, uh okay so it's you with a with a umlaut on the top Übung. Yeah. Übung. I don't know. Yeah. Correct. Übung. Übung. 
which means exercise. And you always say practice, 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 and we say übung, übung, übung in German. Übung, übung, übung. Yeah, exactly. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well. But well done. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, you know, I, I obviously need a lot more übung uh, before I can say those words confidently. <laughs> And obviously, you've got to put them in sentences, um, got to then actually use them. Yeah. But that's it's been really cool. I, I like German. I like the way it sounds. I <laughs> wish I was I wish I was actually able to speak it. Um you're almost fluent. <laughs> <laughs> Just a few more steps to take. You've got to deal with deal with all those different cases and yeah. different conjugations of verbs though next, but um you can always start with the vocabulary. It's a good yeah. good plan. Robin, thanks a lot for talking to us and um you know, congrats again for coming third in the competition and it was it was nice to chat to you. Yeah, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Indeed. All right. Well, have a nice rest of the day. And, uh, you know, best of luck with the podcasts. Long may it continue. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Same for you. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. So that was Robin from Hamburg teaching me a bit of German there. Which was a bit of fun, wasn't it? I, I think it was. I hope you enjoyed it, listening to me struggle with another language for a change. Again, if you're learning German and you're looking for a podcast to listen to, why not check out Auf Deutsche Gesagt? And by the way, the spelling of that is A-U-F-D-E-U-T-S-C-H-G-E-S-A-G-T. Okay? All right. Uh, so, again, you can just check the page for this episode on my website and you'll see all of this stuff written my introduction and this end this ending part here it's all written and you'll find links to auf deutsche gesagt if you want to listen to it so it is available wherever you get your podcasts and you will find links on the website to help you find it i've just said that <laughs> sometimes sometimes i will write things down and then i will sort of say some things and then forget that i've already written them Ah, oh, never mind. But um, yes, as you heard Robin say there, his approach is pretty similar to mine. So it might be what you're looking for if you are learning German. Also, I think it was very interesting to note the trajectory of Robin's English learning. Ooh, trajectory. There's a nice word. T-R-A-J-E-C-T-O-R-Y. Trajectory. So let me let me just talk about the word trajectory a little bit. Firstly, it, it refers to the path that an object takes as it flies through the air. Now, we're talking about the, traje the trajectory of Robin's English learning. But I mean, I think the first sort of use, first meaning of the word trajectory normally refers to objects flying through the air and the sort of path that they take as they fly through the air. For example, the trajectory of a plane from takeoff to landing. Imagine a line going up from the ground, soaring into the air over distance and then going back down to the ground. Trajectory doesn't always mean it goes down, up and then back down again. It could just be from down to up. Also, you've got the trajectory of a rocket or the trajectory of a golf ball flying from the ground up into the air, over the grass and maybe landing on the green. 
hopefully, if you're a golfer, uh, the path that an object takes as it moves through the air. That's the trajectory. The second use of the word is metaphorical or idiomatic, and it's used to describe the movement or path of other things, like, for example, someone's career trajectory or the growth trajectory of a company, upward trajectory or downward trajectory. Imagine a line showing the movement of something, making a curved line going up and over. It could be a line on a graph. Okay, so it's interesting to follow the trajectory of Robin's English learning, especially that moment when he was told he wasn't good enough to pursue his studies, and then he kind of doubled down on his English, and the results kind of spoke for themselves. Arguably, you know, being told, no, you're not good enough, I think you should give up, that is a very damaging thing to say to a learner of English. You would have thought, although not in the case of Robin, because this is the, the sort of kick up the bum that he needed. Like This is the kind of kick up the ass that Robin needed, apparently. I don't know. I guess it could go either way. For some people, being told that would just destroy your confidence and, you, you know, you'd, you'd never achieve anything as a language learner after being told that. Or you might be, you might, it might give you a wake up call. And if you're determined, you might decide, well, this is the the sort of slap in the face that I needed, metaphorical slap in the face that I needed to kind of actually get me going. Anyway, in the case of Robin, it was the thing that kind of, um, you know, made him grasp the challenge. So thankfully, Robin took it as a challenge and seriously started to immerse himself in English all the time and probably did self-study from grammar books and other things. But basically, he just put a lot of time and effort into his English and it paid off. And just listen to him now. It seemed to make a lot of difference, right? Then he was able to qualify as a teacher and help other people with their English learning trajectory too. Uh, but the key thing is that he took the bull by the horns and took control of his learning himself. There's a nice phrase. He took the bull by the horns, which I think is clear, isn't it? He took took control of the situation. He took the bull by the horns. That's bull, B-U-L-L, a male cow. Uh, by the way, don't literally take a bull by the horns. It's not. It's probably not going to go well. You're probably going to get gored in the stomach by one of the horns of the bull. So don't, it's just, you know, only use that in your life as a metaphor. Don't actually go around grabbing bulls by their horns. They'll probably kill you. Anyway, so the thing is that Robin took the bull by the horns, metaphorically speaking, and took control of his learning himself, realising it was all down to him, and he did it in his own way. Again, I hope you agree that this has been quite inspiring, basically as a way to say, you can do it too, if you put your mind to it, and you put the time in. Again, I will echo my statements from the last of these episodes, um, you know, the one with William. I often tell you about the importance of motivation and the importance of doing certain types of practice. But also, I just want to say equally, don't worry about doing anything, really. Don't worry about it too much. Don't feel bad if you're not doing the things I often say. At the very least, just listen, right? Just enjoy listening be happy, stay positive, and just enjoy spending time with English in any way that you like. This is probably the most important thing, that you have to maintain a good and positive, uh, feel-good relationship with the language. And when the time is right, you can take more control and you can really apply yourself by doing different kinds of practice. 
But don't worry if you just like listening to English and that's all you do. That's fine. Okay, it's all good. It's all good in the hood. All good in the hood. All good in the neighbourhood. Okay. Anyway, but if if you're always looking for specific tips on ways to improve your English, if you want to take the bull by the horns and you want to improve your English in more sort of applied ways, including your pronunciation and your accent, then pay attention to some things that Michael from Poland is going to say in the next Wispolep episode, which will arrive in a few weeks. Little sneak preview there um, of the episode with Michael from Poland. Um, Okay. And of course, there's the ongoing LEP Premium Project, which is designed to be a service that can help you make sure your English is on the right trajectory. Parts three and four of Premium 29 are coming very soon, and they're going to cover some more solid vocabulary, collocations, synonyms, and phrases based on things my dad said in episode 700. Based on things my dad said in episode 704 of the podcast, with listen and repeat pronunciation exercises in part two as well. So if you want to hear that um, and access the PDFs for it and all the other premium content, visit teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info, of course. But in any case, um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And thanks again to Robin for his contribution. It was great to talk to him. It was really nice to listen to him and just hear about his story and so on. I apologise if I spoke too much during the uh, conversation. But, you know, it was a conversation after all. And um, that's fine, isn't it? Um, as ever, let us know your thoughts in response to this episode in the comments section for the, for this episode, right? Um, if you're looking for the episode page where you can write your comments and also read transcriptions for the introduction and ending of episodes like this, you'll just you will find the link in the description for this wherever you're listening. So if you're listening on your phone, you've got some kind of podcasting app. It could be the app, Apple. See, the thing is about Apple Podcasts. Apple does not allow you to put links in the description. As far as I'm aware, this is what I've been told, and so I never do it. I don't put links in the description in Apple Podcasts. Okay, so the links aren't there, but in almost everywhere else you should find the links. Certainly if you're losing, if you're losing, no. Certainly if you're using the Luke's English Podcast app, you'll find all the links there. Uh, links to the episode page and stuff like that. Otherwise, just go to teacherluke.co.uk and then click episodes in the menu and you'll find the full list of all the episodes in the archive and you can click on those links and they will take you to the relevant episode pages where, as I said, you can read often transcripts for the introduction and ending and also um, maybe vocabulary notes and the comments section as well. Okay, there you go. Right. Well, it's time to finish, isn't it? It's time to end. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast again. Good luck with your English. And I will speak to you soon. But now it's just time to say goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humor and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.